Hey everybody, this is Captain Jeff and welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. Today I got Stephen Busak in the studio with me as my co-host and very special guest, Ken Cooper. Uh, Ken Cooper is running for mayor here in Fort Lauderdale against the sitting mayor, Dean Trantalis. And water quality is a big issue down here in South Florida. I thought it was great that Ken came on the show and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. All right, today I'm in the uh, Lunker Dog Studios with uh, Ken Cooper. Ken, thanks for coming in today. Oh, thanks for having me. So, I wanted to uh, I wanted to get Ken in here. For those of you who don't know, most of the people who listen to the podcast understand that we're in an election year, and Ken is running for the mayor of Fort Lauderdale against Dean Trantalis, and they are hot and heavy in their race. And um, both of them were pretty adamant about um, focusing on water quality. So when I heard that, um, I really wanted Ken to get on the podcast to just kind of give you an idea where he's coming from and where he's been and uh, how he sees the future, especially for the fight for the water quality. Ken, um, I know you've been a waterman a long time. I know that you're a waterman now, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> aren't you, uh, aren't you repowering your boat right now? Oh, I just did. Yeah, nothing like another seven thousand dollars. <laughs> That's just the repair. Right, right. <laughs> what kind of boat do you got? I got a twenty-eight foot uh, Intrepid. We call it the Knob, the new old boat. It's right. a nineteen ninety-six hull, and we stuck two new two twenty-five uh, Suzukis on the back, and they're two thousand and eights. They've been great. You know, not really here to the sales pitch for Suzuki but they've been great till you know last year and this year just popped a, uh, a lower unit and uh, had to have that fixed and re-bottom paint and all of that stuff but it's a great boat 1996 hull two new engines new old boat called the knob that's get a lot of compliments on the name uh, that it sounds like it's it's a good name the um I think that's the way to go you take the older boat um, repower it with the new technology. This this new four-stroke technology is phenomenal. Great, yeah. And um, the price of boats right now are freaking ridiculous. Yeah, the boat show's coming up too. Yeah, you know, three four hundred thousand dollars for a boat. I'm just not having as much fun as in my old uh, 1996 boat. <laughs> yeah, now, something to be said for old boats. The first um, the first big boat that um, I had was a 31 Bertram. But it was a 1968. Yeah. And it was a you know, 31 convertible, great little fishing boat. But I rebuilt that thing. Over and over uh, and over. From, from, the, from the stringers right on up. But having the boat, um, that old boat was, uh, I mean, I just, everywhere I went with it was just a topic of conversation. Well, the Bertrams are great. I mean, they were number one in the class forever, you know. Yeah, and um, being a Miami boat, it's kind of nice, you know. Hey, you basically had three boat manufacturers. You had Bertram, Chris Craft, and Donzi. That was about it back then. There wasn't uh, Wellcraft. Oh, you're an old Miami guy, Dave. Yeah. They were over. They were. They were. Uh, Bertram was out um, west on the Miami River, correct? Kind of close by the airport. Yeah, and then uh, of course you had Boston Whalers. They've been around forever. They were great. We used to water ski behind the Boston Whaler forever. Yeah, I, I grew up with a 15-foot uh, Boston Whaler right here 
for the canals here. Now you live right on the canals here in Fort Lauderdale? Yeah, we're right off Los Olas down there. Yeah, so we, we actually leave the boat in the water um, just because I didn't want to build a look at the boat in the backyard, so I actually leave it in the water. Right. We do bottom paint once a year. Move, move your mic out a little bit further. So living on Los Olas, how long you been there? 20 years, 22 years, long time. Yeah, my parents moved to Fiesta Way in um, 1977. And um, I remember in 1977, um, you know, what it was like living here between spring break and uh, the beach was just phenomenal. Everybody oh. in the entire world came here to go to our beach. Had two, 300,000 people at the beach back in the old days when uh, spring break was really hopping. Right. Today, they couldn't put 200,000 people on that beach if they wanted to. Nope. I mean, if you're not anymore. staying in one of those big hotels or whatever, you're shit out of luck. Yeah, 500 bucks a night, you know. Of course, college kids can pack 20 kids in there, but, you know, it's not so much anymore. But back then, yeah. You know, the old movie with Connie Francis, Where the Boys Are, you know, that was those were great fun days. Right. And when you were young, you were at Miami Beach? Yeah, I grew up in Miami. Um... You know, uh, right by uh, Miami Central High School. Okay. We had a little canal across the street. We didn't live on the water. Uh, it was a little river. Uh, it actually goes way down and empties ultimately. It goes through uh, all of Miami to the ocean. Go out Hollover Beach. But, uh, you know, we had a little little boat, a little wooden boat, actually. A little, you know, 10 horsepower motor on it. That was about it. Right. One of the old styrofoam sailboats. Right. <laughs> that, um... Yeah, that that uh, that big fish killed down in Biscayne Bay a couple of weekends ago. Oh, that's horrible. sad. Yeah, horrible. They got pretty much the same issues that we've been having here in Fort Lauderdale, um, from what I can tell. Especially that Sunny Isles area. Um, that's kind of like the perfect example. They built all those giant condos mm -hmm. and new residences on Sunny Isles Beach. On the water. And now they're putting in the infrastructure. Right. After it spilled all over the friggin' Alita River and that it's, north side of the bay for the last, what, 10 years? Yeah, that's sad. You it, know, and, and it's, it all should have been taken care of up front. You know, it's always a hindsight that's, you know, my big criticism of the government. It's not till it explodes that they ever do anything, which is exactly where Fort Lauderdale is today. Right. You know, which is one of the reasons I'm running because... You know, how many sewer explosions can you have? It's a major problem. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the major one that's come out. And then right behind that, you got the water plant. And, uh, you know, they, they spend so much money so fast and so many extra costs on top of it. And then, uh, particularly on the sewer, they're saying, that, oh, since it's now being, you know, handled by crisis management. Uh, they're actually going to have to go back in and redo stuff later on after they just lay the emergency pipes down. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you guys have had 25 years to plan this stuff. You know, there's a report that goes back to 1996 that said those sewer lines were deteriorating. So it, this is nothing new. And then they came out with that Reese report that sat around and it identified you know, which pipes were getting ready to blow and, you know, they had $200 million sitting there that nobody spent to fix them and then we got 200 million gallons of uh, sewer in the water. Right. And I think you, did you see those new water reports that just came out? I did, I did. I posted them on social media. Um, not a big surprise, not a big surprise. I've no. been fishing out there 
um, at least twice a week. I'm not crazy busy because of COVID, but I'm getting out there a couple of times a week. I was out there last night. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know, you go out there over and over and over again, and you just think that sooner or later, you're going to see somebody doing something besides destroying the intercoastal. When I was fishing just the last few days, I mean, literally, there is a dozen places where they're dredging, whether it's residential, mm -hmm. whether they're replacing the small bridge over in Coconut Isle or doing something over there. But it's like every other block, um, when you're on the water, they're digging it up still. Digging it up. And um, I just don't understand how they can expect um, the water system to be able to absorb all that plus the failing infrastructure, plus the failing um, drain runoff. And I don't know, we're going to be coming up on a year since the major spill. It's going to be here before you know it. And I haven't seen one thing happen. They tell me otherwise, except I'm with you, and I've talked to the people down at Rio Vista, and basically you're going to hear a bunch of excuses and you're going to hear oh we signed a four hundred thousand dollar contract with some people to clean it up uh as best i know they got two john boats and they've got some spoons and they're trying to clean it up no that is the most pathetic thing that i've seen um perpetrated on this city in a long time and i had i had the mayor out on the boat um I don't know, a few weeks ago, and I actually brought that up, and the other person that I was with brought that up, and we were like, dude, we're on the water every single day. The only thing we did see was a couple of John boats and some pool skimmers, and even then, you barely saw them out there. $400,000. Right. And whoever got that contract... It's a boondoggle. How much crap is going on behind the scenes uh -huh. when, when you see contracts like that? Yeah, I'm not going to comment on that, but the answer is we kind of all know that. You know, we're all really tired of it, too. So, you know, you, you just see this stuff going on and on and on. And then, you know, today I'm in a position where I'm willing to stick my neck out there and let them try to cut it off, you know. But you've seen this happen because you've been around forever. I mean, yeah, born and raised here, you know, um, I got some old photographs of me with a nine foot six Hobie surfboard. <laughs> I weighed 120 pounds. Right. When the wind blew, me and the surfboard went with the wind. <laughs> right, right, right. You ever so, surf that break down there um, at Government Cut? No, I never did that. We mostly haul over was where we were at. Um, and then you surf 21st Street, haul over, and then we moved to Hollywood. So then we surfed behind the Hollywood Beach Hotel, and then you'd surf Sheridan Street, and then you'd go up to Dania. And then occasionally you'd come up to Fort Lauderdale, but those were the three hot spots. And then, of course, you'd go up to Coco. We had a Volkswagen. Right. So, uh, Volkswagen, 50 cents, you made it to Coco. Sebastian Inlet, you know, those were nice trips. You know, that's back in the days when you could actually see the bottom of the ocean. Right. You know, that was nice. And then right. later on, we started diving. Um, you know, you, you'd throw an anchor out back then and think it's 10, 20 feet deep. It'd go down 60 feet. You could see the anchor at the bottom. Right. And uh, those, those, sadly, those days are gone. But, yeah, those are the old days. We, I don't even think, I'm not even, now I'm 67. So when I'm going back to when I was 16, 17. I surfed before. I surfed when I was 13. 
But when we started diving, I don't even think they had a Nowy or a Patty. We just knew to come up with the bubbles and not stay down too long. That right. was it. Right. That's right. how sophisticated we were. Now, later I got certified, but, you know, that was all the old days. So. Well, I remember you telling me, um, well, I remember hearing you telling people that you were around when they decided to pump the sewage out oh. on the reefs way back when. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, it was it was crazy. It was stupid. What year was Still that they stupid. decided to do that? Do you I remember? I either want to say it was 71, 72, or 76, but it was... Okay, early 70s. Yeah, and then I grew up in construction, and a buddy of mine, Mott's, ultimately ends up in environmental engineering. We both went to University of Florida together. But we both looked at each other and went, this is stupid. You're going to pump that much sewer, and, and it's all, oh, we're going to do it three miles out so it goes into the Gulf Stream. And I'm thinking, good, that's where all a bunch of fish are. You're going to have them eating the sewer, and then we're going to eat the fish that's just eating all the sewer water out there. Oh, no, it won't come on the beach. It'll, you know, it'll just dissipate and go up north. You know, a year and a half later, you're on the beach swimming and going, what's this? Right, right. Little, little chunks coming in. It was sad. That was just. Now, back in the 70s, was there, uh, was there uh, a lot of debate about it? I mean, were there, were there a lot of people, like, you know, saying, hey, this is going to be horrible? Or is it just something the government could do back then and nobody really knew? The government did it. They marketed it as, uh, you know, It'll go in the Gulf Stream. It'll never affect the waterway. And they just sold a bill of goods, and it, they just put it in. Yeah, because yeah. all the scientists nowadays say that that's one of the reasons that between Miami and uh, Boca Raton, almost all the reef is pretty much devastated. And um, and they attribute to this vast amount of nutrients. Now, from what I understand, there's only a couple of those things left. I think there's still one off of Hullover. Or Hollywood. Yeah, and Fort Lauderdale still pumping any excess they get out there. Yeah. So it's still there, and they're supposed to shut it down by 2025. Okay. But then, they, you know, they got this. It's it still doesn't make sense because now what they're doing is they're taking it and they're pumping it down, as they say, quote, below the aquifer. So now you're taking however many sewer gallons they got a day and then so what happens in 20 30 40 years you right. just pump it into your water supply you know these are short-term fixes you know that you need a long-term solution for and today they ain't got any they just got short-term solution which is why we got the sewer problem we got but one one consistent thing i guess it started with those big pipes going out into the reefs or whatever I mean, I would think it was like 1979 on Fiesta Way. They let all those liveaboards on oh, Venice, yeah. which was directly in our, our backyard. And um, I remember my mother freaking out and calling the city and trying to, you know, raise some awareness and say, hey, if you let liveaboards live in the backyard, the septic's going to go into the canal. The kids like jumping in the water. This is probably not the best idea. Right. It fell on deaf ears. And then... Here we are. Well, I want to say, everybody, you know, everybody talks about the latest and biggest sewage spills that we have. I got to say, from 2015 to now, it's been almost a monthly occurrence. Somewhere between North Broward, Coral Ridge, and the port somewhere. Right now, I feel like it's almost a weekly occurrence. Well, it's not, but I'm just saying <laughs> that that's how long... It's been going on for right. I mean, consistently going on. I mean, you know, every I mean, every municipality is going to make mistakes or whatever. 
But not like these. But this is just straight up neglect. Yeah, we had one, you know, um, about three years ago. You know, the lady across the water from me, she's got her bait fish, you know, in the water. Right. Killed every one of them. She got, she's got like five pens. It stunk to high heaven along with a sewer break. You know who that is? His neighbor? Who? That's Sandra McMillan. Why does that name sound familiar? Because that's my favorite fishing team. <laughs> and she's got my favorite fishing boat. And he lives, she lives, lives over there by Really? Ken. Sandman. And, yeah, the Sandman. Sandman. And I actually reached out to Sandra um, right before the summer about getting on the podcast just because she's such a badass, has such a badass fishing crew. Oh, but she anyway, is. so the, the to, to, not to interrupt you, but the, um, the bad water killed all Sandra's bait back there? Oh, yeah. Surprised she wasn't on the city commission getting down there beating some heads. Oh, it was sad. Yeah. Yeah, because it stunk, you know. Now, you've been on, on Los Olas 20-some-odd years or better. Uh, can you see a difference in the in your backyard? Oh, Did yeah, yeah. But let me brag about Sandy, because one day she came in, I counted like three times. She had 32 flags up there. They were up one side and down the other. I can't, I can't believe she caught that many sailfish in one day. Dude, and they do it All the time. The Sandman, huh? Yeah, she's a total she, badass. She's tough. Really, I gotta look. I gotta. I gotta look at this. She I shows, gotta check this out. When, I've heard rumors when she shows up at a fishing tournament, all the guys go, "Oh no!" She, no, always in the always in the top ten boats, and just just phenomenal. And then she's pretty modest. Yeah, when it's, when it's eight to twelve, she's out. Those are the best people when they're modest like that. What's the last name? Sandra McMillan, the Sandman. Yeah. Actually, I should go knock on her door. I've actually never... I wave to him going up and down as he go out in the morning, but I've never met him. If you want to say something to break the ice, when you see Sandra out there or the captain, the mates, just yell over, they run that dog. Okay, yeah. And they'll, they'll, they'll respond. Know who it is. Yeah, universal yeah. language. They'll be like, hey, old Ken Cooper knows about run that dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll be like, what you know about that, Ken? I'll go <laughs> talk to her. So, but, you know, but, but, yeah, you know, the water quality, I mean, you know... When I was growing up here, I mean, you could always see the bottom. You can't see the bottom. Maybe once a year now, you know, if I'm out on the dock and you look down, um, you know, in the wintertime, it kind of clears out. But other than that, it's pretty nasty stuff. Yeah. One of the things that I've been on just the last few weeks, because it's there's so much emphasis on science and testing and all this stuff, and it's like no one needs to do any real science there's no real science involved. <laughs> you can see the water, you see the pollution, it stinks and nothing lives in there. It's polluted. Okay? Go get it done. Right. We yeah. don't No, I mean so all these different um, nonprofits, okay, and we interview them all. Mm-hmm. You know, we have men here, we're trying to learn as much as we can. Sure. And they talk about the science behind all this. And the science is exactly I just went over it. It took about forty seconds. Done. Yeah. And we put in simpler terms too. Right. <laughs> But ask somebody, one of those scientists, or one of these politicians, or commissioners, or whatever, what they're actually doing. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Over and over and over. How do you see yourself going into the city, being the mayor, and making that change? Because it was like that in the 70s. It's been consistently like that all the way till now. And, okay, these major huge sewage spills have put us on the map, not for something that we're real proud of. Right. But how do you see yourself making the big change? What would be that be that change? Well, actually, you know, there's there's a bunch of ways to fix it, but 
and they're easy fixes. Uh, you know, the first easiest, and I go cheapest to more expensive. So, you know, you've got the water basket, the water goats, and those type things. Right, we could use those. And uh, so you stop stuff from getting in the waterway, you know, from the runoff. And uh, those are your plastics, your um, boards, and all the leaves, and from the guys blowing it in the, you know, into the sewer, into the water pipes, uh, your storm runoff. You know, so that's that's an easy one. That's cheap. And then I understand you recommended that to the city, and they just kind of blew you off because if they don't want to do something, you know, that's what they always do. They give you an excuse. Oh, our, our valves won't allow for that. Well, you know, that's engineering, and, uh, and that's cheap stuff. That's easy. That's step one. So fix the stormwater first. And then second was your idea, you know, go back to nature. Nature was very good at one time of filtering that water out. You know, you go down to the Keys, you've got those mangroves down there, you've got crystal clear water down there. You know, we dug up all the mangroves because people didn't want to look out their back door and see 20-foot mangroves, they wanted to see the water. Right. But, you know, I've looked around since that time, and there's a ton of places in Fort Lauderdale that you could replant the mangroves, let them come out and start filtering out the water. And to me, that we just talked about a little while ago, why you don't have somebody out there getting that 200 million gallons out of the bottom of the Tarpon River, you know, that should have been done back in January. Because every time the tide comes in and the tide goes out, it's taking a little bit in and taking a little bit out. And that's going out the Tarpon River into our waterway and out on the reefs. Well, I'll tell you exactly the repercussion to leaving that shit in there. Excuse my language, Ken. But it is. But we left it in there, and now we're having the algae blooms like the ones in Biscayne Bay. And trust me when I tell you, the water does not stay here in Fort Lauderdale. As a matter of fact, we have deep water, and it runs right down the intercoastal. And we had a, a good, we had a good supply of what they call nutrients, in real guys' terms, shit, going right down the intercoastal into Biscayne Bay. Yeah. Okay. And those canals that you see that had the big sewage spills in them are overridden with algae right now. And it's totally um, taking all the oxygen out of the water. There's no life in there. But the difference between Biscayne Bay and here is we're deep. So you don't see this huge fish kill going on. Right. You know what I mean? But what is being killed are the small pieces to the puzzle, the larvae and the little grass shrimp. Crustaceans. In, in the little, stuff. right, little right. tiny, you know, microorganisms at the beginning of the chain. That feed the fish. That feed everything. Mm -hmm. And they're totally eliminated from our canal system, which is why I'm such a big advocate on trees. You know, the other re uh, uh, reason I'm a big advocate about the trees hmm. is because we don't need some idiot from the government trying to grow them. Oh, right. Mother Nature does it. <laughs> Photosynthesis works. <laughs> and no matter what. They the love genetically engineering mm. stuff and sticking it in the water. Did you hear about the right. genetically engineered mosquitoes that they're releasing? No, no. I, I think you I heard had, about this, right? I did hear about that. Oh, I, that just has trouble oh, written all over for, it. Oh, uh, that was for the Seca uh, vi uh, virus. Yeah. Uh -huh. Just genetically, I get very nervous when I hear stuff like that. Well, you know, it was genetically engineered. It was love bugs. That became a huge problem. I heard about that. <laughs> Those are not natural. Dude, I can remember the love bug problem when I was in Sunrise Middle School. Oh. That's, when it, that's when they started coming around? Dude, I don't know. I, that's got to be like 1980 or whatever, but they just took over. They just took over. There was just, they were every. About 73, 4, 5, they used to have water cannons on the turnpike 
that you'd pull off in the service area and then you could pull your car up and clean <laughs> off your windshield because you couldn't see through the windshield. Right. I remember when it was bad. When we would just oh. drive to Orlando. Yeah. It was bad. Right. I don't see him as much anymore. Speaking of love bugs, I'm going to tell you guys about the first environmental nutter that I ever met, which was my sixth grade tr- teacher. <laughs> and her name was Miss Romanoff. I can remember her so well. But anyway, the love bugs were all over the field in Sunrise Middle School. We're playing kickball that day. So we're running around stomping them as fast as we could, killing all the love bugs. And this lady broke out in tears mm. and yelled at all of us, <laughs> telling us that we were friggin' bad people because we were killing Kill all the love bugs. Bug. Yeah. That was the first environmental nutter that I ever... <laughs> could you imagine if Lamont was there? He would have done it like ten times worse. <laughs> the funny thing is Lamont was there. Uh-oh. And what and what did he do? I can only imagine. Dude, we stomped the piss out of the <laughs> Always had to take everything to the next level. So you think bringing the common sense approach into the into the office um, here in Fort Lauderdale, you think that's um, that's kind of that's an easy no brainer, uh, you know. And that's actually the public, you know, if they start seeing that those uh, mangroves are growing, and you put up signs, you know, around there and mark it and say, look, this is going to naturally clean the water. You know, people are going to love that. Now, right. my wild idea I ran across you, and I've actually done some more math to it, which I think is is becoming a better idea than I originally thought. Uh, they have these things that are called protein skimmers. You know that. SeaWorld yeah. C- uses them. Sea Aquarium uses them. And, and they, they filter massive amounts of water. And uh, But before I segue there, you know, the, the other problem you have is you've got all these landscapers still using fertilizer and dumping it into the water. That's yeah. that's what's getting your reefs out there. Fertilizer and then the... Pesticides. Uh, the fertilizer, pesticides, but then the um, when they cut the grass, yeah, they, they just, just blow, blow it right it in. into oh, the yeah. water. Oh, yeah. The, all the chippings. Yeah, because when I, I use that example all the time, I say, listen, you know, we use our canal system as a liquid dump. And they're yep. like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, just look at the landscapers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the perfect example. You cut the lawn, and the lawn's filled with friggin' fertilizer yep. and nitrogen. There you they go. Right it, into that. And you, we just have miles and miles and miles and miles of it all up and down Broward, Dade, Palm Beach County. Yeah. You see it on top of the water occasionally. Right. You know, that blue-green looking stuff. But mm-hmm. sim- simple stuff. Simple stuff. But the implementation of it is where... I don't know. Has anybody even tried? Did they even no, bring it up? Nobody's trying, you know. I think that's one of those things that everybody just thinks it's kind of just whatever about. But, um, Ken, I like the fact, though, I'm happy that you brought up the mangroves, though, because you talk about it's a natural way of cleaning the water. But And I don't know if you guys have touched on this already, but... Uh, we've also talked a lot about how mangroves is a natural way of helping to cool the water because all of that cement seawall, when that heats up, it makes the water temperatures abnormally hot. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think mangroves is a fantastic idea. Yeah, you got global warming right now being a problem as well. So yeah. you know every little ounce helps because it's that old one drop of water theory. You know, you you help a little bit here, it helps a long run down there. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Well, and the other thing, you know. When you have mangroves, it looks nice. It looks a hell of a lot nicer than just plain seawall. Concrete. Mm -hmm. Then you have birds, right? You know how many people I take fishing every day, and if they see a pelican, one of those sorry-ass pelicans that hang out at the um, (laughs) fish cleaning station, but it's some form of nature, and they see a pelican, and they're like, they love it. They think it's great, and I'm just thinking to myself, pelicans, really? 
But man, if you have mangroves, then you're going to see the herrings. Sure. And you're going to see the little billfish. The cormorants. The cormorants. The manatees will go up to it and lie in the shade yeah. and eat the leaves and so on and so forth. And if nothing else, the aesthetics of it. I don't get this yeah, see, concrete to, jungle thing. Yeah. I mean, to us, the pelicans are, you know, we see them all the time. But to somebody from the Midwest, they've never seen a pelican. And that's, what, and that's what they're diminished to seeing a lot of times now. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, we can take them out, and they see the turtles, and they see the rays, and there's still life out there. But, dude, I was fishing over in Naples last week with Justin Napier, and there was life everywhere. And there was trees everywhere. And there was oysters and crustaceans, and this whole ecosystem was actually working over there. And this place was more badass than that place, but we came in and developed it all. Every ounce, every square inch of it, still do, doing it too. Do you think that Fort Lauderdale could lead in a way to show other places that have totally exploited their environment on how to get it back? Yeah, you've got to. It's not a matter of whether you could or couldn't. You've got to. It's not a. You've got to get it done, and you can't keep talking about it like you're saying. You run all the studies you want, but if you take the common sense approach, common sense approach says we needed it done yesterday. You know, this has been a 20-year problem, and it's a 20-year solution, and you got to start tomorrow to get it done. Right. You know, start with easy stuff. Easy stuff is your water baskets, mangroves, and then go to more complicated stuff. And then the next one up that I like is those protein skimmers. Right. You know, we talked about this because you can actually buy them for, you know, cheap $12,500, and you put in 10 of them around your bridges around Fort Lauderdale, and then if you do the mathematics on it, in about a year time period, you've actually filtered out about 300 million gallons of water. Right. That's a lot of water. Well, now, I don't think that happens in a year time period, but in five years, 10 years, and you take that idea and start springboarding other ideas from there, and now you got progress. Right. You got right. no progress now. You got nothing. Nothing. Zero. And nobody, it's getting worse. And nobody's got a plan. There's no plan. Nobody's talking about a plan. Oh, yeah, we're going to clean up the water. We're going to clean up the water. But nobody said, go buy some. Go go buy some protein skimmers and try it for two or three years and see where you go. Go buy some water goats and see if that starts helping. Well, the slap in the face was what they did do. And that was hire some company that did absolutely nothing and paid them a ton of dough. So it's totally nuts. And I don't necessarily, like, this issue has been going on, like I said, from 1977 with the sailboaters. And and, and, and it's a concern that has never been listened to. And I'm not bashing necessarily the people that are sitting in the office now. What? But the people that have been sitting in the office now need to either, one, get off their ass and do something. But if you look at track records and you look at the last 10 years, it hasn't even been on the radar. Yeah, and I hate to say my opposition's been there since 2003. A lot of talk, no action. No, he has been in politics a long time, and um, um, I let him, you know, uh, on a previous podcast, we're going to let them both out um, next week. Good. You know, kind of like at the same time. And, you know, he had some good things to say um, when he came in for the podcast. Um, but let's just say that I didn't get a connection that he knew a plan going forward that he was committed to and had a conviction about. Right. And I think until we get a leader that has real conviction about a plan, we're never going to get a plan. 
you know, I'm not really going to pick on him, but, you know, I'm a native here, so I understand how important the water is, you know, and then, and truthfully, later on in my life did I finally figure out that, you know, we're about one of seven major coral reef structures in the world. And I never, you know, we kind of took it for granted. One day I thought, okay, well, where else? Because I was down in the Keys, uh, Lukey Reef, which is incredibly gorgeous, and it's got reef bleaching. And I thought, well, where else? You got us, you got Bimini, and then you got to go to Australia. You got Belize. You know, now you've got some in Vietnam. We didn't have those really back then. Um, you've got um, south of us, uh, Grand Cayman. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, you start to filter off after there so we're one of the great you know seven reef systems in the world and somebody's you know they're doing better i gotta say that on the reefs they're trying but you've still got you go down diving today and those half the reef is you right. know bleached it's and that supports tons of other fish that you know you got a depleting supply of fish now you got a major problem so you know, but I will say that the more sophisticated guys, you know, are working on that because that reef bleaching is a major problem. A lot of science on the reef, a lot of good information on the reef. Um, but the way I look at it, I mean, pretty simple. Until these inlets like Government Cut, Hullover, Port Everglades, right. Lighthouse Point, we'll go right down the coast until we stop dumping the poison on top of it. You're right. Then nothing, you know, nothing's really really gonna happen no, there's, yeah. there's gonna be no change yeah because you go right out you go right out the port and turn right you know right there in dania you know within 100 200 yards of the port maybe 500 yards you know you've got four or five ten reefs sitting right there so all the sewer water is going right out on top of them right you right. know and then you know when you start talking about more complicated and i know you kind of disagree but somebody's got to go suck all that stuff out of the bottom and get it out of there and, and that's a more expensive approach, but they're not doing it. It's just sitting there. Yeah. That's I just, sad. I, whatever, whatever dredging they do, decide to do, I just hope they do that vacuum-style dredging. That's what I would think. Yeah, yeah, where they don't just dig it up and let it go wherever the hell it goes and right. the tide go in and out. But, like, you take a, a, a small canal away like that Tarpon River or like the Hemershe that got devastated so badly because of the sewage spills, and you put in a half a dozen of those protein skimmers. I think that application would be money in the bank. Yeah. You know what I mean? And a protein skimmer type um, uh, apparatus in that particular situation is perfect because you don't have a vast amount of water. You have those two small canals that need to be cleaned up. You know what I mean? So it's not a cure-all for everything, but there's ways you can take these apparatuses and strategically make them work and get a comprehensive plan yeah and then just you know, like i say build upon that because it's easy it's not that expensive so uh, and it, of course you can get it expensive you know you can buy the ones at SeaWorld, but um you know you start small and you start looking you one year down the road and say hey it's working right and if it's working then expand the idea you expand the idea that's where we could be a leader and all of a sudden dade county says hey this is a pretty good idea Right. Let's go study the sea aquarium, see how they do it. Not that complicated. They've been doing it since I was a kid. Right. You know, so, yeah, we could become a leader, but you need a leader. <laughs> so, sorry, uh, so you that, need a leader. That, that's exactly that, what we need. That's yes. the p- point exactly. And I'm not sure how Fort Lauderdale has um, been so consistent 
for so long and not having a leader that looks that way. The leaders have done everything. And I mean, we can go back from the time I can remember. They've done everything impossible to destroy what was here. And they call it development and progress. Well, I'm into development. It's not like I'm anti-development. Right. But, in, but in, in 2020, we have to change our philosophy on development and the way we think. And the destruction of shorelines, which has been the norm forever, Ever. cannot mm -hmm. keep going on. Yeah. You know, and it's not a city thing because we've already destroyed all of ours. <laughs> but when I was in Naples the other day, they still had shoreline. Right. They also had neighborhoods that got rid of their shorelines that didn't have to. But they simply follow the model that we've done here, here. and just destroy everything and cement it. You know, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll brag about graduating from the University of Florida, but actually one of the more interesting courses that I took, and actually was an easy A course, was an environmental course. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, ah, it's an easy A, and it was very interesting. And uh, yeah, that goes back to 1975. But you know, the stuff they knew back then about construction uh, rooftops were plantable back then. It was easy to grab your rainwater and put it in the ground and do your sprinklers out of it that helped stuff. And they knew about the algae and the fertilizer and all that back then. That's 1975. Right. You know, the city's done nothing to stop that. You know, you could have, stormwater was, you know, a problem in 75. There was plenty of solutions when you put in you know, your stormwater system to catch that stuff easily beforehand. Right. Yeah, it was all known stuff, but, you know, you need somebody that's got some knowledge in that area to be able to say, look, the new construction has to do this, and the new construction has to do that. And now they're, you know, even in New York City now, when they're building the buildings, they're building, uh, you know, little um, uh, gardens on top of them. That right. also reduces the heat global right. warming we could have done that in florida all over the place you know well, easily but that's where i think that's where I, I i mean it's like like i said it's not rocket science but i think it's all about philosophy at this point that's really what has to change it's just when people look you know to develop or to progress right you know what i mean it, they have to look at it differently with a different philosophy yeah, and it, all those impact fees were supposed to go to support all this stuff. Now everybody's going, well, where'd all the impact fees go? There's a good question for you. Well, that is a good question. Supposedly they changed the law now where they can't steal the money quite as easy as they used to be able to. Correct, right. All right, so going forward, and we, it's all we can do at this point. We're at rock bottom and going forward. That's one of the, the biggest sore spots is we had the money. We had the money set aside for a reason. Yep. And they took the money mm -hmm. and they pretty much did whatever the hell they wanted to do with it. $200 million worth. So. It's like we got robbed, basically. Mm -hmm. We got more than robbed. We got scammed. And they still haven't paid that money back, which is something I'm arguing. Okay. The city took the money wrongfully. The state came in. It wasn't the city commission that voluntarily said, oh, we quit. State came in and said, you can't do that. So whoever tells you, oh, we stopped doing it voluntarily, that's not true. State came in and said, you got to stop it. Because they took the money, they tried to balance the deficiencies that they had in the um, retirement programs and tried to balance the budget, which the city budget requires. And okay, so now you took it. 
Well, you illegally took it. Don't you have to pay it back? But they haven't done that either because that $200 million would be going to fix the sewers that were exploding now that they're going to pass another bond issue, bond issue, bond issue for, which is really raising your taxes without saying I'm raising your taxes. Mm. But you look on your tax bill, look at all the bond issues that are on there. And every year they pass more and more, but that's how they're planning because now that sewer system is going to be a billion dollars, be more than a billion dollars. Yeah, insane. And that should have been done every year. They should have been replacing those pipes. And I mean, you know this, I grew up in construction, you know, and those are cast iron pipes, 50 years. They're done. And we're right at 50 years. They're all going to explode. Right. So you got to go from the, the sewer plant down there all the way up and replace every one of them because eventually they're all going to explode. But then that should have been done over the last 20 years. Well, this is, here we go again, this is science. So there's municipalities all across the state that know that their pipes are getting ready to friggin' Explode. break. Right, and damage the friggin' water Waterway. system. They know it's going, they know it's going to happen. It's, this is not, we don't, no one has to discover this. So these municipalities, are they going to get pressure from anybody to actually do it before shit starts breaking? Well, you go back, and this goes back to 1996. I mean, there's reports in 1996 from the state telling the city of Fort Lauderdale, you got a problem. Your pipes are wearing out. Start doing, but they don't, because it's not a sexy topic. I mean, who wants to, you know, put in new sewer pipes? I want new trucks. I want this. I want that. I want new equipment. I want, you look at it. I drive around the city of Fort Lauderdale, it just drives me nuts at how many brand new trucks we got with nice shiny chrome wheels on them. Um, and then we have this explosion. Then everybody goes, oh gee, not me, not me, not me. And I'm going, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, you were there. That right. was your job. That's what you should, we hired you for. But I understand it's not as sexy as buying new trucks, but, <laughs> and you've done it gradually. You know, rather than now, you've got these guys digging up every road in Fort Lauderdale on this crisis management type thing. You know, if you'd done it over 20 years, the impact on the citizens would have been much less than the, the you got right now. I mean, I tried to get here. No, everything's stressful. Yeah, you had a, I got three detours to get here. No, every, uh, everything's stressful. And you can tell the city's in crisis management because there's no place that isn't dug up. There's no place that isn't stressful. There's no place that has free-flowing traffic. And considering right now we're in the bottom of the season, and because, oh, of, and yeah. because of COVID, the worst season that we've ever seen here in the last recent history, and we still have traffic problems. Oh, that's next on the list. That's, uh, that's, that's really not a topic for today. But no, yeah. no, no, we're not doing COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doing Jesus, I wish we could. But, but, you know what I, but you know what I do want to do, Ken, because I, I, I kind of dominated the whole thing being on water. You being a candidate and running right now, what do you feel the most important thing that the constituents here in your area are not hearing that you'd like to tell them? Well, number one is, you know, they're, they're patching the sewer system. They're not fixing it 100%. Uh, you're, you're trying to fix just the main pipes that are going down the street. And they're doing that, and they're probably paying double or triple. And what they're not hearing, and I heard this from the city engineer, 
And that's where I, I said that uh, actually he said, oh, well, we're doing this so fast and we really don't have the great planning and we're going to have to come back and do it again. Well, that's ridiculous. You've had since January to sit down. Any engineer in the world can sit down and plan that stuff in 30 days easily. So it looks like we're going to put it in, spend all this money once, and then he wants to come back and do it twice. And, of course, now they figured out that we didn't know where the valves were, and um, nobody's hearing that. Why didn't you know where the valves were? And it's kind of interesting, from my understanding, is they didn't have a good set of plans in anybody's office to tell them that's where, and that's why the $200 million kept going, because it blew loose and nobody could find the valve to shut it off. Now they've got a redundant system. So if one of them blows, you can turn it off here, you know, rather than there. So you're not hearing that they're not doing it the right way. Okay, so you, you think it's important that people at this point going forward really need to pay attention to the process. That's where the big inefficiencies yeah. and the things that you're just not hearing are. Yeah, and then the second thing, you know, now they're talking about 20 years later, and this is also in that Reese report and also goes back, you got a 50-year-old water plant. So I love this because, you know, nobody, they'll bring it up now that I brought it up. Can I, of course, I told you I grew up in construction. I've put those sewer pipes together manually with my hands. Now, not the big 48-inch ones, but we're talking 6, 8, 12-inch ones. Me and my brother did it. Right. And then, uh, you know, we put in all the galvanized pipe. Now, the water coming out of the plant's not all galvanized, but I put in those pipes miles of it manually. So the next thing is, is, okay, we're going to build a new water plant. Well, until I brought it up, nobody said, what about the pipes? from the water plant down to the beach. And I think you know this. Do you know they put in warnings on the hotels that the water is yellow yes. and it's still okay to drink? And people are going back to New York City, which actually has some of the highest water quality around, going, I'm drinking yellow water down there. I had to buy all bottled water. You know, it scares you. It scares you. It scares you to death. I wouldn't want to drink it. There's neighborhoods all around town that get that. Oh, yeah, somebody the other day, so they bought a new house, and they filled up their hot tub, and uh, it was, like, greenish-yellow. They didn't know what to do. That nasty. So you got to replace the pipe. So what they're doing now is, oh, look at me, look at me. You know, we're building a new water plant, new water plant, and nobody's talking about, well, what about those old rusty pipes? And one of them just blew last week and right around here. Right. Uh, they're getting ready to blow again. And then we did, you know, the first week on the sewer, and one of the engineers from one of the counties uh, actually talked about that they don't know where their valves are either. And the uh, same problem is going to occur over and over. So you can build a new water plant. That's great. That's $500 million, and now you got to do the other half of it. So you got a city that kind of half-asses stuff. Uh, you need to get somebody in there who grew up in construction and say, look, you're just doing half the job sit down and work out the total bill. I know you don't want to hear the total bill, but now they've just raised your water rates 30%. Some of them are doubling. People are furious about that. And that's all because for the last 20, 30 years, you know, you haven't done your job. Right. You spent the money somewhere else when it was dedicated to replace all those lines. So that's what they're not hearing. They're doing a half-assed job, half-assed job with a water plant. And as far as I know, they're doing nothing with the waterways. I've not seen anybody talk about the waterways until you started bringing it up, uh, because now that you've got the 200 million gallons, 
uh, now it's a problem. Now I'm Mr. Politician, oh, look at me, I'm gonna fix it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. nobody's got a plan. I mean, give me a plan, I got a plan. I got three, four, five, six plans, and uh, first three, four we talked about. So, and they're not hard plans to implement. Right on, right on. So, well, that's listen, where I'm at. So, listen, I, I, I think, I think the interview was great. I think people learned a lot. I think people got to know you a little bit better. And um, Busaka, unless you got anything, I want to end the podcast. And that's uh, Ken Cooper. Um, check out Ken Cooper from Air on Facebook. Um, if you guys want to know more about Ken, um, we're going to put some stuff in the intro to make sure that um, you can reach out to him. And um, really appreciate your time, and yeah. thanks for coming into Lunker Dog Studios. Thanks. There's the cooperformayor.com, and give me a call on the phone. I pick up the phone. Imagine that. <laughs> 954. That's pretty unusual for a politician, huh? Yeah, 954-319-0899. <laughs> give me a call. Because right. you know, I think that's, if you're a public servant, you should pick up the phone. Right I'm going to probably call that yeah. number to talk about that whole traffic issue <laughs> off the record. Just, you know, keep in mind, I'm 67 and I go to bed a little earlier than I used to be. So, you know, after 9 o'clock, it's kind of a problem these days. Oh, I'll call early. I'll call early. 